Hey folks, hope your Q3 and Q4 is off to a good start. We just wrapped up Founder 500 in Austin, Texas. Hundreds of bootstrap founders showed up. It was an amazing time. I loved meeting so many of you. This interview today is a recording from that session, which you're going to love because now we have visuals, we have the founder teaching, and I made every single speaker include their revenue graphs and real artifacts in their presentations. Without further ado, let's jump in. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Give it up for Karsten. Hi, everybody, and uh, welcome. I was uh, really flattered when Nathan called me and asked if I would come over from uh, Copenhagen, Denmark to make the speech today. And I really wanted to come because, uh, first of all, I really enjoyed the community. And second, I have seen way too many founders uh, that never... Uh, get any money themselves. Uh, so I wanted to tell uh, what uh, I wanted to do it differently, how it sort of built up, and then how uh, I made a transaction earlier this year. Uh, the presentation is called How I Bootstrap to 50 mil Secondary. It was a, a clean secondary, so nothing went into the company. Uh, and then the subtitling systems and processes increasing from 1 to 50. Uh, full-time employees were actually uh, 25 full-time employees when it when the transaction happened. That was in April. Well, now we are 50. Uh, it could also have had the subtitle in a state with only 6 million people because we really got to that transaction stage by focusing uh, only on our home state and then getting uh, only in the last few months uh, getting uh, international uh, sales. Or the subtitle could be and how we became larger than Google Analytics, which apparently, according to the Danish Ministry of Commerce, uh, we are today in our state. So um, over the next 20 minutes, I'm going to tell you about sort of the stages it went through. It was a long and a very painful birth. First of all, getting to product market fit, which took me forever. Uh, Scale, and then how to actually do uh, the secondary. Uh, And sort of what's what's, uh, at heart for me is that it was really important, at least for me, to find a niche that I really had a genuine interest in, that I thought, you know, the world needs this. Then make an MVP at an absolute minimum cost because there was no one to finance that but me. Um, And then after that, to build a really robust tech stack. Then (laughs) I had read the book, you know, Crossing the Chasm, and I never realized what it was until I was there and being really close to bankrupt. Uh, Then how uh, complexity exploded uh, we needed to focus on minimizing friction by focusing on what we could control and then basically take it from there. Uh, and finally, uh, why uh, I didn't go the VC route uh, and why I still had an urge to sell some shares uh, 
even though we're a double hypergrowth company uh, that's cash positive and makes profits. Um, so first I wanted to show you sort of a, a simple graph of the metrics that sort of got us into the deal area. And I founded the company in 2011 and it was a consultancy company with me uh, and uh, a student uh, since 2016 until 18 where we launched the actual SaaS product. And I was never able to make, uh, to invoice more than 200,000 uh, USD a year as a, as a consultant. And I realized I could never ever uh, scale this company. So at the same time, I was getting super frustrated uh, at in the end of 17, the GDPR was coming up. Finally, there was a requirement for consent solutions. Sorry, is the cookie pop-up that you're probably being annoyed uh, with on, on every website that we do. And they were just popping up on websites across Europe. And in my opinion, they were all wrong. They just didn't work. They were not compliant. And I just felt, am I the only person in this world that can see this is a, basically a scam? It's, it's not working. So I really wanted to just get it right and deliver a solution that works. So we launched in 18 and then you can see sort of got the first 500 clients, spent 19 making sure not going bankrupt and then we started to, to, to grow. And then once we passed that 5 million ARR threshold, then we were very, uh, it seemed to be very attractive to a number of potential partners because then we had demonstrated that we had stamina and there's a, a, a stable uh, a growth that can be sustained. So most of you have probably seen this cartoon before and I just associate so much with it. I, I lived that cartoon. Uh, from I first got the idea in 2008 and I thought I was a genius and that the world needed this. And when I look at it today, I just think I was pathetic at the time like super pathetic, uh, but uh, it sort of grew and, and I'll just take you through the, the stages. So I'll take you back to where it all started. 2008, I was invited to Harvard to do some empirical studies on how personal data is collected from websites and used for commercial purposes without people knowing and without the websites knowing. And after doing months of research and presenting my, my findings to the professor and saying, I think the world need a legal requirement that the transfer of personal data must be consent. You need to inform people first, they need to consent, otherwise people will lose uh, confidence in digitalization and they will not use websites and apps. And he thought I was brilliant. And we're having a glass of water and I just felt I had an, an epiphany and he approved and now I would go and make the world a better place. And it just, I was pathetic. It, it didn't work. Uh, no one I talked to believed in it. People were saying, what on earth is this? No one is interested in it. Um, but I couldn't forget about it. And in 2011, out of frustration, I quit my job. I founded the company and I had one client and they left after a week. <laughs> I lived in this house, you can see on the left, in one half of it. Um, and I worked from my, <laughs> from my uh, kitchen table from 2011 to 16. Uh, 
hardly able to, uh, to, to make a living. Then in 17, I had to sell the house and instead I invested in a chair in a shared office. The, we were three guys sharing two, two chairs, <laughs> uh, but I felt I was, I, was, I was getting at it. And then uh, at the end of 17, I decided, all right, now it's going to be a very different ball game. I uh, hired uh, the, the loft at this building. Uh, so I had lots of space. I still had no clients really, uh, just doing some consulting, but now I was ready to do business. So what I did in the beginning, I was really focused while doing the consultants, becoming a subject matter expert, realizing, accepting that there's a bigger truth to this whole collection of personal data, how it's used and what value it creates and to whom. I was trying to really tap into it. Um, and then I had to use third-party tech because, frankly, I don't know anything about IT. I had an interest in, in contributing to a better world. Um, I was invoicing, you know, free invoices a month, whatever, using Excel. And every year, about 60% of my clients, you know, I would have done whatever they asked me to do, and they would not come back. Then in, in 17, I started to build some proprietary software on top. Uh, E-privacy directive was kicking in, and apparently I was the only one that knew anything about it. So I was hired for a six-month gig at the Danish uh, uh, business, uh, business agency uh, to write the, uh, the practical implementation order for the e-privacy uh, directive, which I did together with, with the lawyers. So they did the legal part, I did the practical part, which was about a third of, of, of it. And that sort of made me really sort of stand out as the subject matter expert uh, in, in our state. That also meant that I, I had the opportunity to make a 15-minute uh, um, documentary with the Danish Broadcasting Corp, which was sent primetime Friday night, and sort of really got the, 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 uh, the privacy um, subject uh, very public. And then I sold my house January f uh, 4th of 18. I thought now, now we're going to really build a SaaS company. I went to Poland, I hired uh, 10 uh, developers, and uh, then we started to build it. But I had, I had only funding by myself, so I had to sell my house, I had to sell my boat, I had a small crappy boat, uh, move into a cabin, and I only moved out of that uh, this, this spring. But I've been investing absolutely everything in, the, in, this, in this company. So we launched in May 18 together with the uh, GDPR. We had instant product market fit, uh, got 500 clients, and then we started building the tech stack very early on with some proper systems, uh, Stripe, Zendesk, Pipedrive, and then one new uh, colleague we got, he, he was able to make a website. I didn't have a website before, using Joomla, which no one uses, I believe, but uh, um, that was how we started. It continued after the MVP. I wanted to, be, to make it possible for people to actually run a credit card through uh, in the platform and buy. I spent 150,000 USD on, on building that. And one year after, after uh, having launched it, uh, the annual revenue on that one, oh, sorry, the monthly revenue was $141. 
not thousand dollars, but hundred and forty dollars, and 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 it was becoming actually if it, it was very inspiring because it just still felt you know we're onto something. They're out there. It's just something we're not doing right. And but we're sort of getting to the chasm. Like, are we going bankrupt? What what is happening? And we just start to focus on on making things more effective. So we focused on the on the UX and the self-service uh, sign-up. The product is really good, so we, we focused on not losing the clients we gone in. We got the churn down from 60 to 3% per year. Um, we had really low costs. And and then I came up with this with KPI, which was that we can spend 80% of a first invoice to a new client for the CAC. So if the CAC is 80% of the invoice amount we will we will send, then we will not go bankrupt. And that has been a KPI for us all the way along. And it has directed how much money we can invest because you know it's very easy to get an idea say uh, now heavily in something, but sometimes it takes longer time or maybe it's just a bad idea. Um, and then we converted all the consultancy into ARR by making it, you know, ARR deals uh, as well. In terms of systems, we upgraded the system. So we went from Joomla to uh, WordPress. We changed the uh, starter pack from Zendesk to a full-fledged HubSpot implementation. We implemented Slack. Uh, we got Stripe in, Asana up. And uh, then we changed the company uh, language from Danish, which no one understands, to, to English. And we started hiring non-Danish people. Um, and we moved into this beautiful office space where we got some 200 square meters uh, in the central part of, of Copenhagen to remind ourselves every day that we were important and taking ourselves very seriously. <laughs> now, what happened was if we then fast forward, what I showed you before was here. October 19 in terms of revenue from what came in via Stripe, then suddenly we, we had reduced the friction. We had apparently just by fixing things one at a time and studying consumer behavior, suddenly there was just water coming through or money coming through. And we increased the uh, revenue by a hundredfold within 12 months, uh, which was a very big thing for us. <laughs> We also had direct sales, and you can see on the graph down here to the to the left how that just sort of kicked off as well. And it was via network effects; people just really liked the uh, the solution, and sort of word of mouth in our in our country sort of it, it, it spread. And by the end of 2021, we had uh, by focusing on product market fit, and just making something good, 70% of the top 100 companies in our country and public sector. Uh, were using our service. Uh, so what we did was that we just repeated every time we found something that, that worked, we just repeated it. I wasn't bothered about making money on it. It just had to be really cool. It had to be something that people just wanted to use. And then sort of profits would, would come. And then anything that would, you know, good ideas that didn't add value, we just killed them. So we found out that uh, an inbound strategy was good for us. Being, you know, thought leaders, 
publishing, all sorts of things really worked and we were able to put it in the system and just scale it up. Uh, we started to have uh, to build a, a SS uh, sales department and that's grown quite a lot since. And then we started to automate everything. So uh, we uh, started using uh, templates and workflows in HubSpot. Uh, we, we, we just we introduced DocuSign, so it was no manual processes in terms of contracts. We uh, started to work professionally with the website, with CTAs, checking out the effectiveness of various flows, etc. And then we reduced the CS team from eight when we had the MVP to four, even though we had a much bigger uh, 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 company. And then we moved the office to this ugly building, but it's a very nice office. Uh, and this is, uh, here you can see sort of how we went about standardizing things. So we sort of looked at it, the whole uh, uh, flow from we get in contact with people and until they are onboarded. And then we made activities that we control. So we are not depending on any resellers or anyone outside the company. But it's, like, it's webinars, it's publishing things, and then we will keep track of how much they deliver, and it's very consistent. So we always get between 40 and 150 uh, participants in a webinar we do. And that means we can just repeat them. And everything here we could just repeat. We, uh, then we, we did some, you know, in terms of the, the sign-up flow for the 30-day trial, you know, we had automated processes, how we get, uh, when, how we email people, what behavior that would trigger that we call them, etc. And complexity just went exponential. So from sending out um, 50 invoices a, a month, uh, within three and a half years, we were sending out 1,200, even though most of, of our clients are on annual plans. Uh, and we reduced, so from, from being eight in, in, cost, in CS team, we went down to two that are handling almost 30,000 uh, requests in, within a six-month period. Because everything is just super effective and there's, uh, there's a lot of automation uh, in, in these things. And in the annual uh, report of, of the Danish Business Agency here from 21, uh, they are saying that we are now actually the, the second largest uh, internet service provider, third party internet service provider in this country, only surpassed by uh, Google, um, uh, this is Google Analytics, this is Google APIs and Google T uh, Tag Manager. Uh, we handle at that time six million consents an hour, uh, every day, uh, uh, oh, sorry, every hour, uh, every day in the week. Um, from there, uh, we started to, to get some international traction. We could see that we would need to grow out of Copenhagen. We had in 18 established a sales office in the neighboring state. It just did not work. Things were very technical, they developed fast in our company and they were just behind all the time. So we, I closed that and then instead uh, we uh, had even more international people. So now we are 20 nationalities in the Copenhagen office. Uh, I think we're only eight that are Danish uh, out of uh, 45 people, uh, which is a great way of building a, a global uh, company. We standardized everything. 
uh, all, all, the, all the contracts. So at that time we had 3,000 paying customers and there had been so many custom contracts and you know contracts on the back of a napkin, etc., etc. So we standardized everything. We uh, made a price harmonization. So everyone pays the same for the same service. And uh, we made sure that we have absolutely no paper anywhere uh, in, in, in the company. What really helped us also was that we worked to eliminate manual invoicing. So now that's all, all automated. We introduced Intercom, which helped with our conversion. Uh, and we introduced a number of other software that are really robust and can sort of handle uh, the growth. So by the end of last year, uh, we had reached 5 million ARR and I was getting a lot of calls from, from, from VCs. But what triggered me to start a transaction was I could see now we're getting this very global demand and and I cannot continue investing everything I have. I was still living in a shed, basically. <laughs> I've been doing that for five years at that time uh, and have to reinvest all the time. So I thought, all right, I really want to want to make this sort of a global concept, what, what we are bringing on, and I wanted to have a partner. And I was very happy to uh, hook up with a good advisor. In this case, it was Deloitte. We had a structured process. Uh, covering Europe and, and the US and we ended up with nine firm top offers and uh, then we did the transaction in uh, in April. Uh, this is how it looks after you sign. <laughs> um, just normal people really uh, that they want to, to, in, to, to buy shares in a, in a decent company that, that has a future. Uh, so, what I have, I think, what I, what I, what I hope I have showed you <laughs> is that if you really run a, a, if you are really genuine and build a company, it's it's a long way, but you can you know you can scale it and then you you can actually get out of this with with money uh, yourself. So this is me, and if any of you guys are interested in or seeing any opportunities in. In, in me, then please feel free to uh, reach out. I thank you for your time.